Hello, and welcome to Dad Will Know. My name is Drew Duraney, and I'm with my son, Matt Duraney. We're doing a podcast today about, specifically about asking for help. Very broad topic, um, but uh, we're going to try to touch on uh, anything we can that to do with how Matt, at 20 years old, versus me, at 53-year-old, um, how we ask no, for help or if we ask for help. You oh, don't even know how now. old you are. I'm 54 now. <laughs> yeah. 54 now. So today we're going to talk about asking for help, and it's something I've, I've put a lot of thought into because I never, uh, as a kid, you know, you're kind of trained whether or not to ask for help depending on who you're hanging out with. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I tell you the truth, I don't really recall Matthew asking for help a lot as a kid. Uh, do, you, do you remember, as far back as you can remember? No. No. Okay. Mm-hmm. So at what point do you recall, like, even considering asking for help? It was when I got to high school. Okay. So, so in, in something like middle school, mm-hmm. when you're challenged with things you've never done before. Yeah. Wh- what was your initial, I, I don't even know if there was an initial thought, but when you're ready to I do something new. I would just try to do it and figure it out on my own. Okay. Because for the most part, I could. Right. Okay. So... When you felt challenged with something new, it was just something I didn't understand at all and was like completely overwhelmed with. If I like knew what I didn't understand, Mm -hmm. I knew how to ask a question. But if it was like something completely out of the blue, then I'd just be like, I don't know, man. Okay. Because what I remember with you as a young kid, and even like the way you were actually born, you've always uh, tried to be very, very good at something before you finally asked for help. And that could be, yeah. uh, you know, y- you could have been just born independent in some way, shape, or form, which not many people Maybe, are. I, I guess. Yeah. And, and as a parent, you know, we, and you were, you're our oldest, so I always, I don't know, maybe I had a lot of assumptions that if you needed help, you'd ask. Um, when you we were very young, Obviously, before you could talk, you know, we would teach you. I would teach you how to do stuff. Um, and I, can te- I could tell as, at a young age, you were, you were listening. And um, you had this uncanny knack of trying something. And if you didn't succeed, you'd try again. You rarely got upset with yourself for not being able to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do remember in middle school, you know, I would get calls you know, saying, you know, Matt did this, Matt did that. And I would want to ask them, well, what did you, how did that come about? And, you know, and you know, in middle school or even in preschool, you guys are always learning something brand new. Yeah. And you would hope that you'd have uh, adults who are the teachers who would be, who would be uh, patient uh, with kids. A lot of times though, um, people automatically think the kid is trying to, you know, cause trouble rather than actually trying to learn something. And a lot of times it's difficult for kids to articulate at a young age exactly what their needs are. Think, thinking back at, I guess, the youngest you could think of, um, were there times where you did ask for help and you didn't get the, the reaction or the response from the teacher that, that would encourage you? It wasn't like that. It was more of the fact that they would accuse me of stuff that I never did so I wouldn't even feel comfortable to consider mm-hmm. asking them for help right. because 
especially during preschool, some elementary school, it depended on the teacher. Some teachers understood kids and other ones just had no idea. Mm-hmm. And it just depended on if you were lucky enough to get the right teacher. Yeah. And I think that uh, oftentimes parents make an assumption that because somebody's teaching that they know how to handle kids who may have some uh, developmental uh, issues or or difficulty doing things that may seem easy for one person and not for another. Um, for the most part, you had really good teachers, and, and but we had did have occasions where um, you would try to do something new and you would encounter mm-hmm. a challenge, and yeah, you got blamed for things. And I think there were a lot of assumptions too and judgments with with teachers. Um, but you know what, you being our firstborn, we were kind of, unfortunately, the way things are, pe- parents are practicing on their firstborn. And, um, and it's, a lot of it is trial and error. And I, I almost wish there was more uh, hands-on education um, for the parents. And even into, how do we interact yeah. with teachers? And how do, we, how do we determine if our child needs help? Because some kids can't articulate. Mm-hmm. You know, and speak to their emotions or what they think they need help on. Um, so you you mentioned that in high school uh, is the earliest you recall actually asking for help. Um, it's because in, teachers would encourage us to ask for help, and they would actually try to explain things to you better if you had questions, or they'd break it down or mm-hmm. give it a completely different angle or whatever. The teachers really cared about their kids learning and not just getting through the day, which is what the elementary school and middle school experience <laughs> felt like for you yeah. it just felt like the teachers didn't want to be there and they took it out on the students but then once i got to high school it felt like i had teachers that were teaching because they wanted to be teachers mm-hmm. and not because they had to be yeah so that's an interesting thought so if we think about the age of children i mean a lot of the, re- the reading i have done you know uh, states that you know greater than 50 percent of our belief system uh, we we ha- we have by the age of seven years old. So that's obviously before we go into structured school. Um, in high school, you're probably around 14, 15 years old in high school, yeah. right? And so mm-hmm. 90% of our belief systems form by the age of 18. So if you're going into high school within three years from what we've learned, you know, uh, you know in, in our lifetime up to 18 years old, it's almost their beliefs have almost been set for us, um, and it is a challenge to when you feel that you have a different belief than what you were were taught, and a lot of times that's when the questions start coming into your head, like I believe I should be doing this, yet I've been told I should be doing this. Um, when you have that misalignment. It's very difficult. You start to question certain things. Did you, in high school, when you started asking questions, I mean, I'm, I'm glad the teachers want you to critically think mm-hmm. because most teachers, um, especially in the high school, they are more apt to work with students who ask questions because yeah. there's an assumption, I think a safe, a safe assumption, uh, that if a child asks questions, they care. Now, it's not necessary. I say safe assumption in the sense that I believe a lot of people think that. I don't believe it's actually a safe assumption. 
because some kids who want to learn mm -hmm. don't know how to ask questions just because they, in their upbringing or what they've learned, they aren't comfortable doing so. And I know a lot of people didn't want to ask questions in class because they didn't want other kids to think they're stupid. Okay. So they just not learn something as opposed to risking embarrassing themselves. Mm -hmm. So then they'd have problems in class mm -hmm. instead of just asking the questions. Yeah, that's a very valid point. When you think about before you go into kindergarten, you ask all the questions you want to mom and dad, and they're going to want to you know, help answer those questions. Once you get out in the, the world and you start to um, get these external circumstances and you start to then question yourself, yeah, you don't want to be embarrassed in public. So there, there are kids who may not have developed um, self-confidence or self-esteem enough when they get into to the education system to really, I, I call it um, being vulnerable. Because when you ask questions to people who are not maybe family member you've spent a lot of time with, you are being vulnerable. You're putting yourself out there um, really into, into outside your comfort zone. And when you're a young kid, even at 14, 15, mm -hmm. if you're not accustomed to doing that, a lot of kids won't do it and they don't get the help that they, that they need. So were there occasions in high school when you asked questions, you did get an external like circumstance that made you not want to ask questions? No, because by the time I got to high school, I didn't care about that stuff anymore. Okay. Which is probably why I started asking questions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I wasn't worried about some jackass laughing about the question. Because people, yeah. people ask dumb questions all the time. Because just because you understand one thing doesn't mean you'll understand another thing. So a lot of people just mm -hmm. ask stupid questions. Mm -hmm. But to them it's not stupid. It's only stupid to people who know about it. So it's just like, there's no such thing as a stupid question. Because of yeah. that, no, you're it's just you're just un, it's just because somebody knows it doesn't mean everyone else knows it too. Absolutely, really, no, no Absolutely. such thing. Yeah, no, you're you're right. I mean, there is no no stupid questions. Uh, I think the people um, who ridicule or tease or make fun of kids who ask questions are kind of insecure themselves. Uh, more often than not, it's a defense mechanism for other kids to make fun of kids who want to learn you know and and it's it does make it difficult for the kid who does want to ask the questions um and i i give you a ton of credit because i did at your age at 15 whatever in high school i did care what other people thought of me heck i'm 54 now i probably cared about what people thought of me up to about two years ago and and i think you have an endearing quality um that i admire and I'm inspired by you because at a young age, you, and I'm not going to say you didn't care what people thought. You did and you didn't. And I guess I could try to uh, clarify that. You have a soft heart. You cared about people's feelings. Mm -hmm. It was, so you cared about that. But as far as what other people thought, you yeah. realize at a young age that you have your own opinion. You're entitled to your own opinion. Mm -hmm. You're not forcing your own opinion on other people. So you have a right to state your opinion. And that's the beauty of this country and, and freedom of speech and, and free will. Um, and I know that your mother and I, we encouraged you to continue that way. Um, I know there are a lot of kids 
who often are encouraged by their parents not to ask questions, speak up, because the parents mm -hmm. are concerned about what other people think of the parents and their children is an extension of them or their reputation. And I know that happens a lot. So I give you a lot of credit at, at that young age to be able to do that. And, um, and I think that's going to help you as a young adult uh, in life because authenticity, I believe, is underutilized in this, in this country. People are concerned about being a different person in different situations. Um, I definitely encourage you to just be who you are. And, mm -hmm. and I'm going to, as a parent, knowing that I did my best to raise you to do the right thing and be a good person, I'm going to step back. you and mom hadn't raised us like that, we wouldn't have even thought of that as an option, most right. likely. Right. Most people just blindly follow what their parents teach them and mm. assume their parents are right because their parents raised them, so right. it's all they know, so it has to be true. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'll be the first one now to, you know, when you're a first-time parent, you don't know what the heck you're doing. There's not a chance. There's no book that you can follow that says you're parenting the right way. I think there's, there's better ways to parent, not necessarily right or wrong ways. And, mm -hmm. and knowing, what I, knowing now what I wish I knew then is having three children, your mother and I had to parent differently for all three of you. Um, and, you know, there were times that we tried to parent the same for all three, but you really can't. And it's even like if you guys say to me, oh, you, you know, you, you always, uh, if Nick and I did this, we'd get in trouble, you let Emma do it. And it's not that we would choose to treat Emma differently because A, she was a girl, and B, because she was younger. It's that we've, we developed over time as parents, and, and we may think, this is the this is the best way to approach it for this child, uh, versus you know you or your brother, and and I think that's an important message to take away for you, because when and if you when you get into the the workforce, whether it's you working for yourself, you're still gonna have to deal with human beings, and you're gonna always have to treat people, really I say the platinum rule, treat them the way they want to be treated, and and what that does. Um, I think it's it's very it's much more challenging to treat people the way they want to be treated because you really have to get to understand. You have to pay attention. You do. You have to. Pay you attention. have to be observant. You can't mm -hmm. just be in your own world. Right. Right. And and I think a lot of people when when you practice the golden rule, do unto others as you would want done unto yourself. A lot of people don't care about what you want, and then they're mm -hmm. going to be upset by how you treat them. Right. Right. I mean, I, a quick story. I don't know if I really if I ever told you this, but I remember when I was working at, at Hackensack University Medical, Medical Center, I was, I was a young manager. I was like 20, I want to say 29 years old, maybe 30, and I had 50 or so people reporting to me in the operating room in materials management, and, and I had a very diverse staff. And I remember thinking it was a wonderful idea that when it's, you know, I would ask everybody what their birthdays are, put it in their their files, and then when it was their birthday, I'd, I'd, I'd mail them a, a birthday card um, because I knew I liked getting birthday cards. So I was practicing the golden rule. And I remember one of the uh, staff um, came to me, and he was from, I think it was Colombia, um, and he told me that, uh, Mr. Drew, in my country, we don't celebrate birthdays. And I was like, you don't? What do you celebrate? He said, we celebrate our Saints Day or a names day, you know. 
And I was like, as a young, you know, you figure I was 20, 29, 30 years old, that was new, new for me. And I said, okay, uh, then if that's what you want to celebrate, that's what we'll celebrate. And so I asked him what his Saints Day was, what the date was. And then thankfully what that taught me is, okay, if I like my birthday being, you know, acknowledged, and he just told me he doesn't, he's got something else, I got I to start maybe managing differently, different people differently. And then I remember, so ask, I had all those people come in individually, and I asked them, what do you celebrate? And when they told me what they celebrated, I started acknowledging what they celebrated. So at that, at that age, I learned that. Now, you, I believe, have learned that almost 15 years younger than I was. Now, we, I could potentially attribute that to my experience because I, I went through that. So then as a young parent, um, perhaps I instilled that in you without even knowing because I don't remember ever having a conversation with you about golden rule versus platinum rule. So I don't know. I mean, how do you think you learned that? I read about it in a book last year. Unbelievable. All right. So you read about it in a book last year in yeah, 20. Yeah, Yet you, I was 19. 19. Yet you, be, you were able to read the book and maybe put a term to that behavior, but you were acting like that at age 14. It's, it's in How to Win Friends and Influence People. Dale Carnegie says yeah. that you want to treat people the way they want to be treated, not how you want to be treated. Okay. And that, that's where I learned it, but I guess mm. just from watching you and imitating you, I guess I picked it up subconsciously. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Possibly. That's a good point. I actually just read a quote, which I, I posted on LinkedIn today. It said that sons, uh, I forget the term, I forget it, but it was, it was all about sons uh, learn from their fathers both in, in, uh, in words and, and in deeds. So, um, kids just like to copy their parents. It's, right. they, they will copy the people they see mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so they can try to be like them. It's just right. something that kids do. Yeah. You know, that's a good point, too, because if, if, if that's what kids do and the parents are actually doing or saying something that's not beneficial, that is yeah. a big, big reason why uh, adults parent certain ways. They emulate how their parents raise them and, and I, ironically yeah, for the most part people do that yeah and ironically you may have somebody who did not like how they were raised in a certain instance by their parent yet they don't know anything different and so as human beings mm -hmm. we tend to fall back on old habits so if you don't know how to do something you fall back on what you're accustomed to either seeing or doing so that's why a lot of parents repeat the behavior that their parents did even if they don't like it um, and I admire those parents who, who stop and pause. And I was just uh, actually texting a guy uh, through LinkedIn, and he had talked about the way he, uh, his father treated him, and he didn't like it. And his father, when he passed away, this, this gentleman was sitting at, this parent, at his father's bedside, and the father just was never compassionate because he learned not to be compassionate from his own father. And as my colleague or this, this gentleman was sitting by his father's bedside, the, up to the time the father took his last breath, did not acknowledge anything compassionate or whatever. And that's when this man said to himself, he actually thanked his father because I'm not going to 
be the way you were to me, Dad. He didn't say it to his father, but he said to himself, I'm going to treat my kids differently from the way, and, and, and good for this guy because he was able to, to kind of um, be aware of the differences, mm-hmm. and he had that pit in his stomach where it was like, that's just not me. And he acknowledged that that's what he learned and that he had a choice. You know, a lot of us don't think we have choices. He chose you have a, to parent differently. You can make a million different choices yeah. every day. There's plenty of opportunities to mm-hmm. change things if you want to. Absolutely. You just have to look for them. Yeah. They're hiding in plain sight most of the time. Right. So what I admire about you is, and it is different from the way I was at your age, I saw something, and if it was challenging, often I would see it as a barrier. You see things as opportunities. Something may may be in your way. Because if something's too easy, it's boring. Right. You need challenges to progress in life, mm -hmm. or else you're just going to be in the same spot forever. Absolutely. You won't ever progress. You won't ever evolve. You won't Mm -hmm. adapt or change. You'll just regress that's true. And, and, and a lot of reasons why people aren't successful in life is because they fear. Some people fear success and fear failure. Mm-hmm. My belief is failure is necessary in order to grow. Failure is necessary in order to succeed. Yeah, it's just a stepping stone to figuring out what the hell you need to do to succeed. Because right. if you don't make mistakes, you won't learn true uh, that's that's you know that's a that's a good point matt because how are you just gonna will something into existence like right. that's not real right now what I, I do recall you as a kid when you made a mistake you'd never you didn't want not want to give up you wanted to know how to make it right and, mm-hmm. and and you were very inquisitive very curious and i think that that is a trait that I admire yeah. if you never stop I hate being giving curious. up. I always have. Yep. Yep. I've never liked to give up on things. Good, good. Because, uh, and that's how I know you're going to be a success in life. However you're going to define success, you're going to get there. Um, and uh, and I think that's that's like the reason why I wanted to have asking for help as a topic is is we want we want you the youth and obviously adults we'd like to catch them younger so they don't learn at age 54 like i did that it's 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 it is a strength to ask for help it's not a weakness like even with starting this we both wanted to do a podcast but didn't know how to do it mm-hmm. and you never asked me for help even though you wanted me to help you figure it out and then i just came to you as like let's just do a podcast together right instead of figuring out yeah. stuff on our own and then oh yeah well then yeah from there once you did that i you know probably about three years ago if you came to me three years ago and said i want to do a podcast i would have probably asked my friends or told them about it mm-hmm. and they've never done a podcast podcasts never succeeded. still were not very widespread at yeah. that point so yeah. less people would have even known what no, you're no, talking about right. i didn't even know what a podcast was back then yeah yeah well i think what i'm what i'm I, i'm gonna have I'll take some credit because I forced mm-hmm. myself to ask people for help with the podcast. And the thing is, what's really mm-hmm. good about me 
have my own business and, and I'm out there trying to help men uh, come through stronger um, than they ever have whenever they, you know, uh, come across a challenge in life is I have met so many guys and women who have successful podcasts already. So when you said that, I really wasn't afraid of taking that step because mm -hmm. I was comfortable asking the right people for help. And I think something I learned, probably knew it my whole, my whole adult life, but really w am able to acknowledge it now, is in order to really be successful, you must be asking the right questions to the right people at the right time. And that's not easy to do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I was a young manager in the hospitals, I, I knew I had a good idea, yet I didn't have the, um, the environmental cues. I really didn't realize when it was the right time to pose my idea. So I would force my idea at the wrong time with the right people. But I only had two of the three uh, you know, uh, variables that, that yeah, lead to The wrong success. time can kill the right idea. Absolutely. And, and that's, Timing's very important with that. It is. It is. And so, you know, asking for help, I, I, I honestly believe that we need to foster with young, the youth, self-confidence, self-trust, self-love, and self-respect. Those four things. Because if you don't trust I yourself... I see what you're doing. Number one, if you don't trust yourself, if you don't respect yourself, then you can't love yourself. It probably does go in a certain order because you're not going to get any confidence unless you trust yes. yourself, right? You're mm -hmm. not going to love yourself unless you trust yourself. Mm -hmm. So it's, at some point, you've got to feel self-trust. You've got to trust yourself, Right. If you trust yourself, or if, I think maybe respect comes first. Probably. If you if you can have self if you have you self respect, trust people you don't respect. No, so exactly. we got so let's put it in this. It's got to be a sequence. Respect so, would come first. So I would then. say respect first leads to trust, then perhaps love, and then confidence. I think if you don't have those four things, you're not going to ask for help. Mm-hmm. And, and so, it's hard to succeed without asking for help. Absolutely. So if we can encourage parents to instill those four things we talked about in that order, the, the respect, the trust, the love, and, the, and then the confidence will follow. Confidence happens when, when an individual accomplishes something that makes them feel good. It, you do something, you get these... these um, the reward endorphins. of uh, endorphins, they all, all these chemicals uh, fire in your brain, all the good stuff, the endorphins, yeah. the, um, the uh, I can't even think of them Endorphins right are now. the type of chemical yeah. you're thinking of. Yeah. That's, um, that's just the, the type. Yeah. Um, so there is a lot of science behind what we're talking about. Um, so I guess that's the message today is don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, Asking for help is a strength, not a weakness. Mm -hmm. And make sure you ask somebody who's been successful regarding the topic you want to ask for help about. Surround yourself with people who embrace emotional vulnerability, right? And um, 
step out of your comfort zone. And Matt, you've done a lot of that, and I'm, you know, I really, uh, I'm grateful to have you as my son. So, yeah. So, so I hope you enjoyed today, everybody. Um, if you if you want to talk more about this, we're going to have our information in the show notes. Um, and have a wonderful day, and we look forward to to seeing you on our next episode.